Hey, this is Kathleen. And when I'm not unfucking businesses here on the podcast, I'm unfucking real estate over at ysaintpete.com. My company is Sighty Realty, and we are excited to sponsor this episode. Hey, babes, this is Jennifer Madsen from badassbabes.com, and you're listening to Unfuck My Business. No bullshit advice for business owners who want to be resilient as fuck. So buckle up, babes. The unfuckery starts now. Hello and welcome back to the Unfuck My Business show. I am one of your co-hosts, Robin Sales, and I am joined by a whole slew of folks today. We're going to have a panel discussion around the topic of unfucking your career. But Robin, this is a show called Unfuck My Business. Why are we talking about career? Well, my friend, sometimes in order to get to the business, you have to first unfuck your career. Many of us started our businesses as a side hustle, hashtag side hustle, and uh, you still have to navigate the windy, windy road of the career and corporate world before you can jump ship and start out on your own. How many metaphors can I mix in this introduction? I'm going to mix them all. (laughs) So we've brought in a special guest today. She is a bit of a local guru when it comes to career. She is on stages all over the U.S. She's a dynamic career coach and a personal friend and mentor of mine. She's unfucked some of my sales processes in the past. I am delighted to have Liz Lopez on the show with us today. Liz, say hello. Hello, everyone. Robin, thank you so much. I I appreciate the kind introduction. And I love being here today because I feel like this is at the crosshairs of everything that I do. Because I'm an, as an executive coach, I'm working with both career people, usually director level and above, uh, but I'm also working with business owners. And when you really boil it down, I spend the majority of my work life unfucking people's careers and businesses. So this feels like, like a homecoming, and I'm really excited to be here and talk about strategies that bridge those two, because very often, I have people going from one way to another. So really happy to dig in and answer questions and have that conversation. Awesome. We're very excited to have you here today. Let me go around and quickly introduce the rest of the folks who will be joining us for the conversation. Our mutual friend, Shay Jeffers. Shay, say hello. How's everyone doing today? And my co-host extraordinaire, Chris Jenkins, say hello. What's happening on fuckers? Back with us for another guest starring round is our new production assistant coordinator extraordinaire. We're just going to keep throwing titles at her. Angel Love, say hello. Hello. And our community director and the only person I want to work with if I ever decide to buy another home, Kathleen Seide. Hello, hello. So we are going to be talking today about unfucking your career. Before we start asking you specific questions, Liz, I know that your own career journey has been somewhat interesting, going from the corporate world and then setting out on your own. You've been part of some large networking groups. You've built some things here in our local community. So will you give our listeners the Reader's Digest version of Liz's story? Sure. It all started way back some years ago, working for the state, ironically, at the Department of Labor, then moving on to corporate gigs and leadership gigs with Capital One, Pods, 
Verizon. And when I was kind of in the middle of that and kind of in the pods years, I started my side gig, right? So doing a lot of consulting around communications, uh, sales processes, uh, messaging, a lot of content development on really specific messaging. And as career kind of hit bumps, you know, these, these layoffs and transitions that happen, I thought, you know, what if I could just do this business full time? And, and I'll tell you that, that it didn't all just go all at once, right? I started out at Pods and kind of went to business. And then I got the job at Verizon, which was an offer I thought I couldn't refuse. Then it turned out I could really refuse it. And it was after that, when I kind of came out of my, my incredible engagement with Verizon, that I knew I never wanted to do that again, right? Like corporate careers are great for many, many people. For me, I knew it wasn't my journey. And so not having a plan B, my business had to be it. And that's when it really, really skyrocketed. And, uh, you know, really it kind of evolved into that space of not only doing the consulting around the messaging, but now also really specializing in the coaching. Love it. Love it. I want to talk first about some of the sort of typical stuff, right? Like, let's start by knocking off some of the stuff that we know people are thinking about that we know they're going to ask about. And so I want to start with what is a mistake that you see people do when they're trying to navigate, and especially when they're trying to accelerate their career or unfuck their career, as it were? What is a mistake that you see people make over and over and over again? You know, the mistake usually happens before they come to that spot, right? What happens is that people neglect their careers. They focus on the job, you see, but the job belongs to the employer. The career belongs to you. But it's kind of like when, when somebody gets into a new relationship and then your friends never see them again. People get a job and then like they disconnect. They let their network go cold. They're working those 60, 70 hour, hour weeks. They're so embellished in that job. And I hear it all the time. Like I gave it everything. And then, you know, they fired me. The company was sold. I was laid off. And they're not ready. They haven't updated their resume in years. They haven't talked to their network in a long time. They haven't kept up to, on skills. So the biggest mistake is not managing your career and investing in yourself as your own brand, as your own professional, the entire time that you're employed. I think that needs to go on a shirt. <laughs> like, I want to shout that from the rooftops. The job belongs to the employer. The career belongs to you. Your career belongs to you. And I love that. And you and I have talked in the past, something I talk to a lot of people about is the idea of portable equity, right? And that's really at the heart of what Liz is talking about here is you have the opportunity to build portable equity that you take with you from job to job, business to business. It doesn't stay at that company. And I think particularly in my past when I was working in banking, you know, a lot of that stuff stays behind the firewall or behind an NDA and you don't get to take, you know, the material that you created. You might bust your butt, you know, creating an amazing award-winning program within your company that nobody else is going to see because it belongs to them, right? But there are elements within that. You can talk about the results that you generated. You can talk about the process that you used to build that thing, whatever it is. There's portable equity there that you can pull out and take with you to the next job and the next career. 
I love it. Thank you for saying that. I wish, <laughs> I wish everybody could see. We were all like clapping and like arms in the air. Like what a great way to start off this conversation. I want to open it up to the rest of the panel though. Does anybody else have anything that like when you're working with your peers or maybe that you've done like mistakes that you see people make over and over again? Jinx. I think one of the strangest things for me is, you know, most people don't know that I literally had a career for 15 years before I broke out into, you know, being an entrepreneur full time. And that was really out of desperation because the the economy crashed in 2008, 2009. And I expected fully to go back to work after my initial funded startup failed. And there just weren't jobs. Like, so that was, you know, there was this two year process of not being able to find work that drove me into becoming an entrepreneur out of necessity at that point in time. But I wanted to ask your thoughts on being a renegade versus being a conformist in a corporate environment, because I was always a pain in the ass at every single job that I had, and yet was generally able to advance farther and more quickly than many other folks who were really good at playing the game. I never had a problem with eating some shit and going and dealing with HR or whatever else, because you know I, I didn't care about dress code. I don't care about corporate communications. They sent me to those classes over and over again. I would CC your boss and tell you exactly what I thought about it. You know, it's, I was a hard person to manage, but it didn't hold me back. And I don't think that that's necessarily the case for everyone. So what are your thoughts on how renegade should you be if that's your personality type? You know, there's all sorts of different personalities that are happening in the corporate world. And I think your renegades tend to be the ones that eventually do go into entrepreneurship because there's equally successful people in the corporate world that are toe the line type of people and they become successful in their own way. You have people that are hybrids. I think everybody eventually finds their their spot to be at either as content as possible or truly happy and joyful in what they're doing. I have found though that when you do have that little bit of a streak you've got that lightning streak and you got that inner fire, you know, your tolerance for the guidelines and the bowling ball, like you're jumping lanes. So eventually you, you find a way to kind of do it. Either you get into a startups, you go into a division where you allowed a lot of latitude because, you know, people like they're really successful, let it do it their way. I encounter a lot of people like that or people, they start their side gig and eventually that becomes their real thing. I love it. This is a panel full of renegades as far as I'm concerned. So (laughs) I don't think a single person here has ever done anything the way that one is supposed to do it. I think a lot of people listening sort of feel the same way. Like that's why we seek out side hustles. That's why we go into business for ourselves because we want a degree of control. Before we switch gears, was there anything else as far as like common mistakes we see people make? Shay, go for it. It's not part of my job, Itis where it is not in the job description. So the things that would elevate you in your career, you don't do or you don't implement because it's not part of my job. I don't get paid enough to do X, Y, Z. But that thing that would get you paid, it would makes you stand out. That renegade spirit that tells you there's a better way to do this than what the structure says is opportunity. Angel, how about you? Yes, yes, and yes. It's not my job. Your job, those are the things that you're required to do in order to stay where you're at. If you're not willing to do anything that's beyond your basic job responsibilities, you're not going to help your career advancement. And so I think it comes back to ownership. I love what you said about how the company owns the job, the employee owns the career, because you have to take ownership of your own development. It's nobody else's responsibility. 
I think the biggest mistake I see people make is being in the mindset that it's their manager's job to promote them or to move them to the next level. If you have a good leader, they will take ownership of part of that just because they take care of their people. But we have a lot of people who are not good leaders. And if you want to advance your career, you have to take ownership. Nothing is worse than the employee who has quit in place. Like I still technically work here, but my brain is totally somewhere else. I've completely quit in place. Yeah. And if you've been that employee who's quit in place, you know that you are doing barely the bare minimum, right? And so it's not only a fail on management and leadership for not recognizing that that employee has quit in place to not giving them the things that light them up and allow them to grow and engage with the company at large, blah, blah, blah. It's also that employee's responsibility, right? Why are you still here if you've quit in place? I talk a lot about the book that changed my life, literally. It's called Radical Careering, and it's quick tips for your career. And one of the tips I read on break at a job where I was miserable. Like I was so miserable at this job. It was making me physically ill, right? I hated every day. And I get to this page in this book and it says, being in a crappy job isn't your fault, but staying in one is. And it was like a punch to the gut. Like, oh, (laughs) what I'm feeling right now is my fault, right? Like I don't have to stay here. I can leave. And I think sometimes we just get so in our own way that we forget that we have choices, you know? And so if the job isn't giving you what you need, then you need to go somewhere else or look somewhere else within that company or within that job. And Robin, sometimes that adds up to doing something radical. I love the word radicals. I remember several years ago, I coached a gentleman who was very well paid. You know, this is someone who had means was frustrated with his job because they were really cutting back. He could see the job disappearing and he had looked forward to going to this conference, industry conference he went to every year and he thought, look, it's important for my development, but I also wanted to make some connections because I'm kind of looking to move on. And it was in a fun city. I told him, take a week's vacation, go to the conference, pay for it yourself, take your family and go. Like if you have to do this, Don't sit around being miserable and so angry at the company because they're not willing to invest. If you're doing that for you, then go do it. Find a way. You have the means. Make it happen. You can build relationships outside of the job. So if we go back to the idea of the company owns the job, but you own your career, I think really good leaders understand that as well. So I was fortunate to have a couple of bosses who realized I only have you in this job temporarily, but if I help you grow, I could have you in my life for a lot longer. And so they have conversations with you to figure out what your goals are as an individual. And you get to go ask for things like, can I take this training? Because that's going to help me outside of this job as well. And so when I was still working my last corporate job and building my business on the side, my boss was fully aware of it fully supported it and made sure that I got certain certifications and trainings that she knew were going to help my business as well as helping my job. And the agreement that we had was she would say to me, Robin, I know I don't have you forever, but while you're here, I need 110%. And when you're not here, you can do whatever you want. But while you're here, I need 110%. And then when it's time for you to go, I will gladly let you go, you know? (laughs) 
And it was like, yeah, of course. And not only did I give 110%, she probably got 160% out of me most times, right? Because I was so delighted that somebody was supporting not just my job, but me long-term. That woman is still in my life. She's still a huge mentor of mine. And we're still helping each other constantly. She built a relationship for the long-term, not just for the life of that job. And that's only one example of that. Angel, yeah, you look like you had something to say. Yeah, I think what you just said is really important, not just for people who are thinking about their own career advancement, but for all of those business owners out there who are employing people. When you look at people, are you looking at trying to get someone and keep them forever? Or are you growing the people that you're employing? And what, how are you contributing to their development? And are you looking at it as growing somebody out of the role that they're in? Or are you trying to just keep them in a little bubble and retain them as, as long as you can? Taking that a step further and thinking of, of your business ownership, your entrepreneurship as your career, how many times people stop their education, their professional development once they come out of corporate because somebody else isn't paying for their training and they don't invest in themselves as business owners. So not only are they completely ignoring the development of their teams, they're not even investing in themselves. And that's a dangerous place to go. That is a perfect setup for the next question that I wanted to ask. So thank you for that. So I feel like regardless of what industry you're in, what your specific job title is, there are certain skill sets that are beneficial just in business in general, in career in general. And those things do shift and grow as the economy shifts and grows, as the working world, as we know it, shifts and grows. So Liz, let me start with you. Are there specific skill sets that you wish more people had because you know how critical they are to advancing your business, advancing your career? Communications and speaking, right? One of the big issues that I encounter when people come to me for coaching is that they don't know how to tell their own story. You talked earlier in the episode about people go and they do these great things at their companies and maybe they can share a piece of it or all of it. The problem is they don't even have never considered how they're going to express that or how to speak of it, not in terms of the company, not in terms of the team, but in terms of themselves. And I'll slip in a thought here. This is especially true for women who tend to speak about we. We did this. We did that. Women will water themselves down until they are insignificant in their own stories. God damn. Yeah. So I really advocate confident communications, having the confidence and the knowledge to put together your own stories and to speak about your triumphs and your ability to contribute. Like that hurt. That hurt because I know that I've done that in the past. Water yourself down to the point where you're insignificant in your own story. Like, ow. Um, goddamn, I'm, I'm stuck on that one. That one really hurt. But it's so important. It's, it's so important that people hear that. I was just talking about this on one of our community calls. I do think by and large, there is a place for quote unquote professionalism. But by and large, professional is a tool. It's a lever of control. It's a way to keep you a subordinate rather than allowing you to rise through the ranks. And so women in particular and other minorities and people who check in other box tend to get the lever of professionalism put on them stronger and harder than other folks, right? <laughs> and so because we have been forced into this box of appearing professional, 
you know, we lose all sense of self. And I think that's what gets us to that point that Liz was just illustrating where we've been so trained and conditioned to not come across as aggressive and not come across as being too full of ourselves and playing the game and being nice and being professional that we literally put ourselves in the back seat of our own journey. And that fucking sucks. That fucking sucks. And I want everyone on here to have the opportunity to work with or know someone like Liz so she could take you by the shoulders and shake you and go, no, it's I language. You did this. You built this. You deserve to be acknowledged and recognized for your own fucking accomplishments. Mm. So glad I asked these questions. Other skill sets, y'all. I know there's other skill sets that we come across that we think everyone needs this and not enough people have it. Angel, go. Emotional and conversational intelligence. Ding, ding, ding. Elaborate on that, please. This kind of goes beyond career development. Honestly, I think emotional intelligence and conversational intelligence should be part of core curriculum in, in K through 12. Something that we develop as we go through our basic schooling. We need to know how to interact with each other. We need to know how to listen to other people and acknowledge other people. And we don't. We're told to sit down, shut up and take notes. And I think that if we learned more of these skills earlier on, we would see a much different culture in our work world than we do today. And also, I just want to say on the professionalism note, who the hell decides what professionalism even means? We go by these old definitions that we've heard carried from one person to the next who decided at some point that it was the right thing to do to wear a suit coat. Well, at some point, somebody decided the right thing to wear was a toga. (laughs) Oh, gosh, this could be a whole other episode. But that falls into that trap that so many corporations fall into of, well, this is the way we've always done it. Oh, oh my God. I hate that that person. Don't even get me started on that. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the way we've always done it, right? It's a part of that. And and unfortunately, when a company gets to a certain size, you can't make a hard left agile turn. You're turning a barge. And so it takes the renegades within those organizations to keep bringing these things up, to keep pushing these options, to keep suggesting that there might be another way to do this. You know, and I'd be remiss if we didn't take this moment to address how As much as it sucks, the global pandemic that we're all coming out of right now has done some of that barge turning for us. How many companies are realizing that they don't have to have an office building full of people in order to get work done? How many fast food restaurants are realizing that they need to offer more than a 30% discount and the bare minimum wage in order to attract quality, consistent workers to their organizations, right? There's a lot of employers out there who are completely reassessing what day-to-day work looks like for their organization. These issues have always been there, but this global event forced us to pay attention to it in ways that we were not forced to pay attention to it before. We got off the rat wheel. People had time to pause and to think about it. Because when you're in action, you're doing getting up every day and doing the same thing and the same thing and the same thing and the same thing. You're just going a million miles a minute. But when you had three and four and five and, and, you know, 10, 12, 20 weeks of, oh, do I really want to do that? The world has changed. You know, I made the joke constantly, but it's proved to be really real that this pandemic caused so many bosses to go, huh, that meeting really could have been an email. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. I want to chime into 
here's another thing that I talk about all the time, and there are different variations on this, but when it comes to skill sets that will serve you, regardless of your career, regardless of your future business endeavors, and it ties to what both Liz and Angel talked about, it is improv, 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 improv. One of the number one things you can do for your professional development is to go take an improv class. Shay, I'm sorry if I stole your idea. (laughs) Improv teaches you to be a quick thinker. Improv teaches you to be flexible. Improv teaches you to listen more than you have ever listened in your life. Improv teaches you to get to know your teammates and understand what they do best so that you can use it to your advantage. And improv teaches you to think on your feet, turn on a dime, and the fundamental tenet of improv is yes and. There is always a solution. There's always an and. There's always a way to make it work. And that is for improv, that is for life, that is for your career, that is for your business. So that is my number one suggestion is go take an improv class because it will teach you speaking and communication. It'll teach you emotional and conversational intelligence. It'll teach you all of these other things that are going to be some of the best business training you'll ever get. And they do not include that in the Harvard MBA program. It's no coincidence that a lot of the really successful people that I've seen in career development have some sort of a theater background, whether it's in high school or summer programs. Oh, constantly, constantly, constantly. I did a couple of years ago, a buddy of mine that I made in the podcasting space, we both through conversation realized that we had both done Renaissance fairs and medieval dinner type of things. And so we did improv for podcasters that year at that conference, right? Because both of us realized how much our training and experience in the improv world contributed to our current success and what we were doing, right? That's one of the things that I'll shout from the rooftops. (laughs) All right, so we've taken our improv classes. We are taking control of our career. We're communicating effectively. We have emotional intelligence in the teams that we're operating in. We feel like we're moving forward and we're ready to go up. And that usually requires salary and benefit negotiations. So I would love to talk about some do's and don'ts when it comes to salary and benefit negotiations. Liz, what do people do right and how do they fuck it up when it comes time to negotiate up? I love that you asked this question because I spent a lot of time last summer working with some experts and doing a lot of research on this and the, the findings were really, really staggering. And the first thing, it's so simple, but you have to ask. You have to ask. And there are groups of people that will consistently ask. Men, majority of time, will consistently ask. Women will not. You know, we have this idea of the wage difference and men are paid more than women. But part of that equation is our own ownership of that because we don't ask. Right. So and then that kind of ties into everything we talked about. We're having the emotional intelligence, having the confidence, having the improv skills, having the, the, the storytelling skills. Because you have to be prepared to make the ask and to make it from a place where you feel confident, know that you deserve it, and have a plan of action of what you're going to do if the answer is no. I like that. I like having a plan of action for if the answer is no. And that plan of action doesn't necessarily equal, well, fuck you, I quit, right? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. (laughs) Sometimes it does, but that's usually not the only option. Well, they wouldn't give me a raise, so I bailed on them, right? Right. I think knowing that you deserve it comes from 
actually deserving it. And so sometimes people don't have that confidence because they haven't done the work. Yeah. Kathleen? This reminds me of our recent sales conversation. So what is your budget? <laughs> right? Well, I find that that people are going into, into strategic conversation negotiations and they're coming from a place of fear rather than a place of strategy. Yep. You cannot bring your fear with you. You have to have a plan. And part of that plan, to Kathleen's point about our earlier conversation about sales, part of that plan is to know your budget and to know your numbers, right? If you're trying to grow your career, what kind of money is going to have an actual impact on your quality of life? What kind of money is going to have an actual impact on you elevating your family and changing the quality of life for you and your family, right? I also think it's important to point out that it is about salary and benefits, especially when we're talking about corporate careers, because benefits can have a huge impact on your salary. Total compensation. Total compensation. Because if you're only looking at the salary number and you're not factoring in the benefits, you could end up shooting yourself in the foot, right? If you know how much you're going to pay for benefits at that company, you might require a smaller salary increase because you're paying less for benefits. And so that's going to feel like a bigger raise. Whereas conversely, Robin personally shot herself in the foot with one job because the salary looked really great. And then I got there and realized I was going to have to pay three times as much for benefits. And I was actually at a deficit. <laughs> so this new job that looked like it was going to be a huge salary increase, we were actually running at a deficit for the first year because I did not factor in the benefits and I totally shot myself in the foot, right? That was a lesson. That was knowledge hard won. Jerry Seinfeld <laughs> says pain is knowledge filling in a gap. And that year of pain definitely filled in my gap of knowledge, right? Because every salary negotiation, every job offer from that day forward started with what do your benefits look like? What is the average employee pay? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I can't accept ballparks. I need to know what's currently doing right now, right? <laughs> and what you're anticipated at for next year. Like I need hard numbers in order to make this decision. You learn from some of those painful mistakes. Any other insights as far as like salary and benefit negotiations? Anything like my example, where I totally screwed myself over once and learned from that lesson. Anybody else learn one of those hard one lessons? I just think it comes full circle, Robin, because if you have not prepared, if you've not kept your network warm, if you don't have your resume, cover letter, your LinkedIn profile ready, if you don't know how to tell the story of your career, if you have not kept up on what, it, what needs to happen in order to get another job, if you're terrified, the minute you find yourself in a vacuum, you're going to feel powerless. And you can, don't negotiate well from a feeling of fear and powerless. So it kind of all really comes together. And frankly, you know, a lot of times people need to be practicing this. There's this, this illusion that we're going to be so great talking about ourselves or saying the things we think we need to say, and people don't practice. And I love, you know, the whole theater background stuff, because one of the things that I teach my clients is to video themselves constantly talking and answering and doing things because you have to practice telling your own story. It does not come out as well as you think it's going to when you're in a pressure situation. It does not. So... One of the last things I want to talk about today, because we are flying by <laughs> in this conversation today, so much great information. So one of the last things that I want to talk about are 
the absolutely don't do the no-nos. Like when I go into a job interview or when I go into a conversation with my management team to try to get that salary negotiation or interview for that next job, when people are going into these kinds of conversations, if you do nothing else, don't do this. This is the absolute worst thing you can do in these situations. What are the no-nos, the pitfalls for them to avoid, Liz? Don't wing it. My biggest thing is don't wing it. Like practice, prepare. When I'm working with my clients, you know, and I work with, I work with executives who are in their role, right? They're not going anywhere. They just want to be better executives. But I also work with a lot of people who are in transition. And I tell them from the day we start, okay, plan all your outfits, try on all of your clothes, walk in your shoes, test all your internets and all your technology, whatever it's going to be. And then practice, practice, practice multiple times from different angles. Because you just can't show up and think, I'm just going to have a casual conversation. These are strategic conversations. These can be life-changing career decisions that are being made in these conversations. You cannot let your fear of it make you come into a place of avoidance and self-sabotage. You cannot wing it. You have to prepare. And then, of course, you know, don't be like us sitting around here and talk about don't fuck it up. Don't say fuck in your, in your interviews. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, that comes back to know your audience, right? <laughs> I might hire somebody who did. I think I have, actually. Right, you, you got definitely, you got to know your audience. You, you got to know the, you got to look at the culture. You've got to look at how, what's the dress code there? Because it's equally bad to overdress than it is uh-huh. to underdress. Like you really have to understand. But I will say this, as much as you want to, fit in, you cannot, if, if you're fitting in takes you so far outside of yourself that you're uncomfortable, those are not your people. And I think that is a message that we share in one way, shape or form here over and over and over again is, um, you know, you need to find your people. Okay. So in summary, Liz, this has been amazing. We're going to move to the lightning round here in a second. So get your brain ready for some quick thinking. But I want to summarize for folks, I think you've probably noticed that there's a lot of similarity to what we talked about in this episode of unfucking your career is the same similar kind of advice that we give you for unfucking your business. You know, be true to yourself, find your people, practice, 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 get comfortable communicating, get comfortable telling your own story. And if you don't already have those skill sets, then it's your job. You're in charge of your career. It's your job to go out and find the skills that you need in order to advance it because it's very rare that somebody's going to do it for you. And so you have to take control of it in order to get where you want to go and learn what you want to learn so that you can turn your side hustle into the business somebody else is going to be sweating over future salary negotiations with you. (laughs) That's the hope, right? That's right. All right, Liz. Here comes our infamous lightning round. We always ask our guests a series of lightning round questions to get to know you a little bit better. And uh, some of them we keep score on. (laughs) (laughs) No pressure. So number one, cocktail of choice. Oh gosh, it was, I think right now it's just plain whiskey, plain quality whiskey meat. Nice. What is your go-to de-stress method? TV, watching a movie or reading a book, getting into a story. Yeah. Getting lost in a story. I feel you on that. 
Are you Apple or PC? PC. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Peanut butter, crunchy or smooth? Smooth. Smooth. And finally, what is your favorite insult to lodge at somebody else? <laughs> so my grandmother had a, a famous saying, there's a word uh, in the Hispanic world and some, depending where you are in the Hispanic world, is where, worse than others, but that would be pendejo. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love it. Pendejo. I just saw a video recently where the guy was like, if you really want to throw somebody off, insult them with just the Spanish word for any random fruit or vegetable. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was excellent. Excellent. Liz, thank you so much for joining us for this conversation today. We're going to put links and notes in to our show notes, but tell people quickly, where's the best place for them to find you if they want to reach out? You know, the easiest thing to go to is my website, it's lizmlopez.com, lizmlopez.com. And that gives you the web to everything else, right? You can book a conversation with me. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Facebook. I'm in all the places. The website's just a great hub to, to start out with. Awesome. All right, gang. Well, we have unfucked your career today so that you can go build the business of your dreams. And when you get stuck on that business, you come back and listen to another episode of our show and we'll help you unfuck that as well. Um, Come hang out with us in our Facebook group where you can hear more from folks like Liz and the rest of the team in our community and in our weekly calls. You cannot get on those weekly calls unless you're in the Facebook community with us. So please come hang out with us there. Search for Unfuck My Business on Facebook and you cannot not find us. And if you have a specific topic you want us to cover in a future episode, please send us an email at WTF at unfuckmybusiness.com. And from all of us here today, we thank you. We wish you luck in your careers and your businesses. And we will see you next Tuesday. What the fuck are you waiting for? Take what you learned in this episode and do something with it. You'll find all the links and resources we talked about in our show notes for this episode and go to unfuckmybusiness.com to subscribe to the show. 